This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is a fun one. Mike Green, director of Letter Winners Engagement, visits with former Cyclone football coach Jim Walden. You'll hear some great stories from the Marv Seiler game to the Bartles and James ad. If you're my age, you know what I'm talking about. If not, listen, laugh, and learn. This sidecast is provided to you by the Iowa State Letter Winners Club, bridging the gap between legend and legacy by engaging in our past to invest in our future. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Jim Walden. Hey, everybody. We have a wonderful guest in our latest sidecast. We have former Iowa State head football coach Jim Walden who was the head football coach at Iowa State from 1987 to 1994. And during that time, Iowa State has some great memories, some great wins, and we are really happy to have you here, Coach. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here today. When you get my age, Mike, it's good to be a pleasure to be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, Coach, I'm going to start really early. And I think a lot of people may not even know this, but you, know, you had a great college career at Wyoming, and then you went on to a successful career in the Canadian Football League at quarterback. Why did you choose to play in Canada? Because you were drafted by the Denver Broncos, but you went went to Canada. Why did you choose to play in Canada? Well, be really honest with you, I wasn't a great drop back thrower, and I knew that. Most all the football I had played, especially in at Wyoming, it was all bootleg, uh, unbalanced line, Michigan State, Duffy Doherty, uh, the old days. You have to look back at time, and it's that's why I think it makes it so hard sometimes for for older guys like myself who played real good football at a time. But if you were a quarterback in the, in my era, if you threw 15 passes a game, that was considered yeah. a tremendous amount. So you compare that to guys today throwing 55 passes yeah. and and so forth and so on. So when it came time to get drafted, Denver was a brand new team that was there going to be their first year. Their dressing room was in a Quonset hut. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't think that was really good. And so what I did, I just looked at the Cleveland. I got drafted by them late, in the, I think second or third, somewhere in there. And when it got down to it, British Columbia offered me more money than Cleveland was going to pay me. Yep. And so I said, hey, I'm just a dirt poor guy from Mississippi playing at Wyoming. Every little bit of money I can scrape up, I'm going to take. I thought it fit my game. The 110-yard long and 60-yard wide field was more conducive. And so that's why I made the decision. That's where I went. You, know, you had a good career in the CFL. And then after you got out, you got into coaching, which was obviously something in your DNA all along. Then, you know, later on, you you got on the staff at Nebraska with legendary coach Bob Devaney, and you actually won a national title with that staff. And, you know, what was it like coaching with Coach Devaney? Well, go back up a little bit. He was my college coach now. Oh, that's right. That's right. At Wyoming. That was my first connection. Uh, He brought me out to Wyoming from the junior colleges of Mississippi. It was a great experience for me. It uh, gave me a chance to get out of the South. I wasn't running from the South. I was running to something new. And the Wild West, so to speak, uh, rodeos and bucking horses and things seemed to appeal to me, something new. And so uh, then, I, as you said, when I got out of Canada, I went to a little town called Amory, Mississippi, to coach football. I didn't know I was going to do that, but they offered me a nice little deal, probably about 8000 a year, I think. And that's, I mean, that's 
about right up there with the NIL today, isn't it? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he called me right before I started my fifth year. But he didn't call until about the 1st of August. He said he had a spot for me on the staff, and it would be like a grad assistant today because he needed to put me on the staff before he could hire me because he didn't want to make all the high school coaches in Nebraska mad. But he had told me before that he would like to have me join his staff. Well, unfortunately, Mike, I couldn't do that. I was only two weeks from two a days in Amory, so I turned him down. And he didn't like, he wasn't one of those kind of guys that liked to be turned down much. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I loved him dearly and miss him every day. But um, just to pick up the phone and call and talk to him. But he called me back uh, then about January of that fall next year. And his first statement was, is this early enough? But I had told him, I said, Coach, I'm two weeks away from two days. I can't leave this team now. It just, just wasn't something I could do. Yeah, It broke my heart because I'm like, wow, man, I'd like to go join the staff at Nebraska. So to make a long story short, I went to the staff. We won back-to-back national championships since uh, uh, 70 and 71, and yep. it was a great experience of my life. Uh, it was a just a beautiful time for me to be on the same staff with four or five of the guys that had coached me at Wyoming. And it was just a marvelous experience. Obviously one of the greatest games in college football history was the game of the century in 1971, where Nebraska beat Oklahoma 35, 31 on Thanksgiving. And what are your memories from that game? Because I, I was like one years old, but I, I, I seem to see highlights of it every, every year, you know? <laughs> well, it was a, an unbelievable experience. Right after we played our last ball game, we knew we had 10 days because we were going to play it on Thanksgiving Day. So we knew we were going to get the open date, so to speak. And so as any enthusiastic young coaches and Warren Powers, me and Monty Kiffin, uh, we're the three young bucks, excuse me, on the on the defensive side of the ball. And and, uh, gosh darn, you know, we go in and we're watching film in those days and the tape set of tapes and. And right away, we think, oh, we can win this. To show you how it evolves, in about six or seven days, the more we watched, the more it was like, oh, man, this is a pretty <laughs> good football team. And it turned out to be just that. It was yeah. more or less the eye formation, power eye, um, occasional mix-in play-action passes versus the wishbone. Yeah, And it turned out to be a tremendous, tremendous football game. Very nervous unbelievable attention and just the build up to it was off the charts. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. In 1972, one of the most famous games in Clyde Williams Field history was the 23-23 Iowa State Nebraska tie. And you know, we've heard a hundred stories from the cyclone perspective from that game. Someone who was coaching at Nebraska at that time. What were your, some of your memories from that game? Because like it's obviously it was, it's crazy what happened at the end with the missed extra point. And I think I was right that that ended Nebraska's 24-game unbeaten streak in the Big Eight at, at the time too. What are your memories being on the sideline on the opposite sideline that day? Well, it's two things. One, it was a different field. You know, it was up there, uh, up behind the PE building or the old PE building. When I came to Iowa State, you know, that was just a a field where the sororities and fraternities was. And then, so we were all all my careers down where it is today. And so that was wholly, wholly different, unbelievably different 
scenario, a, a different atmosphere in the old place. We were dirt lucky. John Majors and I used to argue about this all the time, the, but he, I knew he was right, and, and they <laughs> should have won. Uh, you missed an extra point that cost you the ball game, and, and, and Iowa State did and at that time. And, and um, I mean, really and truly, they outplayed us. Uh, they had some great players, given some great effort. John Majors and his staff just did a marvelous job of having them ready to play. And I don't know, maybe we just at Nebraska that year had run our court. We were just um, – we weren't quite as good as we had been yeah. the year before, and it had been a struggle. We lost to – UCLA opening game and it had been a struggle ever since then trying to get ourselves back into the number one spot. Yeah. I just think we ran out of juice and then they took total advantage of it. I'm sorry if looking at it from the Iowa State point of view, I'm sorry they missed your extra point because I'd like to, you know, yeah. I, I thought they earned the right to win and then they should have celebrated. They tied the game, but they really won the game. Yeah. So like you went on to um, Washington State 1978 to 1986 you know, two-time Pac-10 coach of the year, won three Apple Cups in four years. What was, you know, just your favorite memories of coaching there? Because you were a very successful coach at, at Washington State, had some great players. Well, Washington State is so close. It is so similar to Iowa State. I never felt like I left one and went to the other. It was a, yeah. they're, they're both ag schools. They're both in a conference where they're never really appreciated or putting in another way. They get abused a little bit. Uh, I used to make the statement all the time, and I don't think it was any different from going from Iowa State or what. You better not miss a meeting or you're going to find out you lost something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we used to say, if you don't want a bad schedule this year, you better go to the meetings. Because if you go back through the Iowa State thing, you, Nebraska, Oklahoma always was in the driver's seat. Oklahoma State tried to get in there a little bit. And then Bill came to Kansas State, kind of got that going. And then you add Texas to that. Uh, and Texas A&M. So you're yeah. always fighting uphill. The same thing was out here. You know who the big three were. It yeah, wasn't the yeah. big four when I was here. It was a big three. UCLA, USC, and UW. You're always going to have to work around things that you don't necessarily think are fair, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. I'll never forget when I was at Iowa State, went to a meeting and they were talking about the future schedule. It was the big eight in those days when I was at our state and first got there. And we're all looking at our schedule and everything is being based around Oklahoma, Nebraska. And I understand that. That's the, they made money and we distributed it that way. But yet in the end, you almost say to yourself, do it just ever. In fact, I made this point. I said, do the other six of us always have to grapple around and yeah. grovel a little bit? just so you two can have that thing. Well, the response was, Coach Walden, this competition will go on forever. It's big. It's the, one of the biggest in the country. Well, lo and behold, it didn't go on forever. So when it went to the 12 and then Nebraska left, isn't it amazing how yeah. things that, that they will tell you will always be here are changing. And that goes to the atmosphere that we have now. But my point being was that, that Iowa State's, Washington State's of the world shouldn't have to fight as hard as they do sometimes just to be recognized that they are just as damned important. Yeah. And that used to bother me a lot because I went from one fighting battle right into yeah. <laughs> to another one, but it's worth the fight. 
You know, so in uh, December of 1986, you were first contacted by Iowa State because they had a job opening. What do you remember from the first time that you started receiving interest that Iowa State wanted you as the head coach? Well, when Max called, uh, I was on my way to interview at the University of Maryland. I didn't think I was going to take the job because I had already done some research and it's one of the highest priced uh, areas in the United States. And yep. I didn't think the money they were going to offer me was going to be as much as I needed and certainly wasn't going to be as much as I needed for my assistance. But at that time, I thought it would be good to interview anyway. So I did. And I told Max I would stop in Ames or Des Moines on the way back. And I did that. And I really liked everything. The facilities were awful. But sometimes you just get beyond whether you have a fancy dressing room or whether you don't as to what how it applies to your life. At that time, I had changed presidents, Mike. My great president, Glenn Terrell, had yeah. retired. And I had a new guy out here, Sam Smith, who I like. But he brought in a staff that I didn't like. And I think, on the other hand, they didn't particularly like me either. I'd been here nine years yeah. out at, at Washington State. And so it might have just, it came at the right time yeah. for me yeah. uh, to think seriously about making a change. I like the atmosphere because maybe it's just the old, like I say, we've been talking about it. It had a lot of similarities. And so I made the change. A little history lesson for Cyclone fans out there that may not know this stuff, but the previous coaching staff at Iowa State was under NSA investigation, and they actually had some NSA violations that really re reduced scholarship limitations. Were you fully aware of all that before you took the job? <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably, I didn't, you know, I just assumed that everything was, you know, I knew uh, Coach Craner and the boys had not done as well, but what I didn't know, I knew about the sanctions, and I didn't bother me so much. Um, what they did, they took 10 scholarships away. They, uh, they only allowed us 10 scholarships. But what hurt the most was that that very year, the NC2A voted to go from 30 to 25. So now I've lost five more. Yeah. And little did I know that, they, that he had a 26 scholarship senior class. So to make a long story short, I did not know that. I didn't know those numbers were there until after we took the job. I had my first <laughs> team meeting, so to speak, and we got the whole team in the Olsen building, and it probably wouldn't hold but 65 people. It was almost just an auditorium for for the staff, not, not for the yeah. football team. And we realized then at one point in time, when we went out for spring ball, we had something like 40 guys on scholarship. Wow. And uh, wow. we had only recruited 10 players. And I'll never forget, we got we could have gone to Iowa that year and did go on two buses. Uh, I took 44 guys to the University of Iowa for the Iowa, <laughs> for the yeah. Iowa State Iowa game. We took, we dressed 44 guys. And uh, I think total numbers, uh, I think our total number in this fall of 87 was um, was 57 scholarship players. Yeah. All and so I laugh and tell everybody today, Mike, if we'd have had to portal in those days, I'd have been in pretty good shape. Yeah, I could have brought exactly. in about 40 guys without cutting a soul. We could have kept everybody we had yeah. plus added about 40. But uh, it was just tough times that we yeah. fought it. I, I'll always admire and love my players because they knew it. The guys that stayed with us, they played their butts off. They chose to come to Iowa State. Yeah. We didn't lie to them. We told them when we were recruiting them it was going to be a tough road. But we'd still love to have him. So I, 
uh, I just think the world of the guys that we recruited and how they stayed and, and, but it was a tough time trying to win some games with that limited number. Yeah, sure was. And, you know, I'll never forget your first win at Iowa state. It was against you and I, and Iowa state was down 17 in the fourth quarter and you guys came back and won. It still ties for the second largest fourth quarter comeback in Iowa state history. And, I just remember because it looked like it was totally over. And I remember Dennis Ross going crazy. What a great receiver he was. And then you you did the onside kick and got it, and you end up scoring. I, I, I think Jeff Shudek hit a uh, field goal to win it. But what do you remember from that first win? Well, it was just so exciting for us because, to be very honest with you, totally, completely honest, I think we as a staff thought if we could play anybody within 10 points, we are going to be good. Yeah. And and certainly Northern Iowa in those days and good. still are. I mean, that was a really good, and we called it in those days, one double A, I think it's championship thing now. But they had a heck of a football team, Terry. And uh, my mind's going bad. I can't, I'm trying uh, to think. Mudra, Daryl Mudra. Yes, exactly. And he did it. They had a nice team. And uh, it was to us a really, we couldn't brag that much about it because you're, you know, you're in the big eight and you're playing a one double A team. So you, but I'll tell you that Saturday night at my house, our staff had a big celebration <laughs> because we didn't know if we were going to win a game and then to yeah. come back from behind, like you said, and to do that, it was just so exciting for us because we didn't know, truly didn't know if we were going to be able to win a single game because they were, we knew they were good. And uh, we thought, well, if, if we can't beat this team, we might not win any, but we did win a couple more, I think, but yep, yep. Um, it, it was, it, it was a tough goal and they were a good football team. Well, that UNI team actually made the semifinals of the Division One Double playoffs that year. Great team. It was a really good team, and they had a lot of talent. And you know, fast forward, uh, you know, a couple years later, the nineteen eighty nine team still one of their best offensive teams in Iowa State history. I think you guys averaged four hundred twenty seven yards uh, a game, which I think ranks fourth in school history. Still, I mean, that team was loaded with offensive talent. You had good good players on the defensive side too. But when you think about players like Red Oberg and Blaze Bryant, Mike Bush, Keith Sims, Gene Williams. I mean, that had to have been pretty cool for you. Literally, like your third year, you guys had it rolling there. <laughs> well, it's same old thing. It's still uh, that way today. When you go into a program that's down, notoriously the first good spark is going to be your offense. I don't know why that is, but it's just so darn much harder to find those 11 great players on defense that can and so we had good players. Uh, it's like you said, uh, we had a great tight end. We were just really good up front. And, and doggone it, man, we we just had some guys that kind of blended with us. Uh, Keith Sims, uh, like I say, Mike Bush and Gene Williams, uh, it just kind of fell together. And then doggone it, we had a pretty good offensive football team. And it was fun to see us get that far that fast. We just couldn't keep the the pace of the goal guys on defense, we were still playing probably more walk-on guys that had been yeah. added to scholarships than, than you'd like. But it was fun to be able to at least prove that we had we could do some things, and it was a fun year. Yeah, well, you know, you went four and three in the Big Eight, six and five overall. And I remember, I remember talking to you, I think it was like five years ago when you were back, and I remember you saying how much it hurt that that team didn't make a bowl game because we all know that that team makes a bowl game today. It's not even close. It's obviously they're going to make a bowl game, but it, it did, it did hurt you. Didn't it? Because like it, it, players need to experience that 
that cake at the end, you know, that, that, that actually reward for playing well. And obviously back then there weren't very many bowls, so we didn't go to a bowl. I mean, how much do you think that hurt the team a little bit? Because you probably should have got a bowl. Well, again, it's back to the comparison of the two teams. I had a seven and four team at Washington State. It didn't get to go to yeah. a bowl. So in my career, I had two six and fives and one seven and four that did not go to bowls. I promise you, no football coach today can say that. Because when yeah. you get your six and five or in this day and age, six and six or seven and seven and five, you're going to a bowl. And, and that's a good thing because it, it really did hurt both the programs that I was at. Because yeah. what happens in those days, and you know it and I know it, you're, on a foot, you're coaching a football team that goes seven and four and didn't get invited to a bowl. Guess what the recruits are going to say to every recruit yeah. you're talking to that, that someone in your league is talking to? They're going to tell you, hey, man, you don't want to go there. They can't even go to a bowl game with a seven-win season. So come to Cal. Come to Arizona. Come to Texas Tech. Come yeah. to Kansas State. So those are the things that really hurt. It hurt, but mainly because we had a really nice team and uh, it would have been fun to have it to have had it showcased and not to speak of the good that it would have done when we were out recruiting because now you flip it over. Had we gone to a bowl, you give all your coaching staff a whole bunch of positive things to talk about. Your players are excited everything was going to be made a little better because of that and it didn't happen and it was a real bummer when it comes to quality comfort and exceptional style insist on the authentic brand label embrace authenticity in your wardrobe with authentic brand collegiate and corporate branded attire the favored choice nationwide well you had two thousand yard rushers in your career coach you had you had joe henderson who was a two-time thousand yard rusher and you had blaze bryant you know what what made those running backs so special well, what was Joe's case, it was just toughness. Yeah. Joe just, I mean, he could play every snap. I mean, he would have taken the ball every snap. Uh, we had another young man, Blaze Bryant, was similar. But Blaze wasn't later not as tough as Joe, but he was probably a little more skilled. Joe Henderson was just a tough guy. He took that football yeah. and he took the heart. Like I say, he was fortunate to play behind a pretty darn good offensive he was. line. He but was. Take nothing away from Joe Henderson. He was one of the toughest kids, I think, running backs ever played the game because we didn't mind handing it to him, and he loved it. <laughs> yeah. The more he loved it, the more we handed it to him. The 1990 team, you know, you know, kind of had high expectations, but unfortunately, you know, we had some injuries early that kind of hurt you, and, you know, Blaze Bryant went down with an injury, which, yeah. you know, was really unfortunate because he was uh, an elite running back, as, as you said. And then, you know, uh, Chris Peterson was quarterback. He got hurt. However – that 1990 win down in Oklahoma had been one of the most special wins you had at Iowa State. I mean, I, you know, they were ranked and you guys went down there. I think it was the first win Iowa State had over Oklahoma since 19, I think it was 1961. Um, and to win down in Norman, let's just put it this way. There, there haven't been a lot of coaches in Iowa State history to go down and win down in Norman. So how special was that day? Well, it was an unbelievably special. I have two members. One, that nobody knew about. Friday afternoon when I got on the team bus, Mike, I was so sick. I cannot remember ever during a season being that sick. You just kind of like football coaches are just like you're too busy to get sick during yeah, the season. Yeah. You just you just fight it off. But I, I went, got on the bus. I didn't even talk to the team. I just got on the bus, sat down in my seat, and almost like literally passed out. 
We get to Norman and we're lucky because our hotel, we got there early. So there are a lot of the rooms were not ready yet. Mine happened to be one that was. And I think I laid down about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I'm not sure I even got up. I can't remember if I made the pregame meal or not. I don't, I mean, uh, the evening meal. Yeah, yep. I got up about 6 o'clock or a little before and walked around the motel just to, because I was feeling better. I wanted some fresh air. But I was weak as a kitten. And so now we get to the game. We get behind, I think, 14 to nothing right off the yep. bat. Yep. And, and but, boy, Chris played great. And the guys started to pick it up. And, of course, that picked me up a little bit. And But, I, I mean, I'm still so doggone weak. But it was such a fun game to watch. And then to show you how dumb I was, I was, wasn't thinking. And maybe I was just in shock that we went ahead 32 to 31 or something like that. Well, naturally, you're supposed to go for two. But I was, I, I think, <laughs> because I was either had been so sick or so weak or, so, or I was in shock both ways. I just held up one, so we kicked the extra point. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up winning 33 to 31, and then doggone it, they missed a field goal, and we'd have gotten beat because of that. Well, I don't, we wouldn't necessarily wouldn't don't know if we'd have made it to, but not one of my smartest moves I've ever made, but it was truly one of the – I've never been around so many happy Iowa Staters in my life, yeah. and there's a big group out at the airport when we came back, and then I got to thinking and looking about – you know, when you make that statement, there hasn't been many wins for our state at Oklahoma. I always used to take one step further, and not a lot of other schools either. It's no, just I know. Yeah. You go We're not the only ones. Our state's not the only one that doesn't win many games down there. Yeah, no, well, no doubt. I mean, they, they obviously were, a, you know, one of the best college football programs back then, still are today. And, you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, I'm going to bring up Marv Seiler here in a second. Marvin Tyler had a big play in that game, didn't he? Because you guys ran a fake uh, – I think you guys ran a fake field goal or a fake punt, and, it, and didn't Marv take it for I, – I, I think Marv Seiler um, was a sophomore that year, and he, he, he well, picked he, up a he, first he, down. We had a fake punt, and uh, we we faked about 10 or 12 punts that year, and I think all but about two of them were successful. And uh, he checked – We you know, there was the stuff that we – hey, here it is. Yeah. You've got to check it and throw it. And uh, he threw the ball to Moore, and uh, we we completed a fourth down pass. He kept a drive alive, yeah. and uh, and then on the winning touchdown drive, uh, Chris, I think, had to check on two fourth down plays. He ran uh, quarterback yep. draws, yeah, and, and got kept them alive. So yeah. it was just an extremely fun game, and uh, it was either the year before Mike or the year after they beat us forty. Yeah, it was home. year before. It was the year before. Yeah, and we almost beat them there, yeah. and that kind of we kind of felt like we could compete. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the uh, the '89 Iowa State Oklahoma game is a classic. It was 43-40, and uh, well, obviously that was that offense that you guys had could score on anyone. So you know, let's let's go to 1992, and it's still you have to say if it's not the biggest upset in Iowa State history, it's it's one of them. And number seven Nebraska comes to town, and you know you guys beat them 19 to 10, and what, what makes that game so more improbable is that the circumstances of starting a third-string quarterback, fifth-year senior, who had hardly played a down in his career in Mark Seiler. I mean, how much did that make that, that, that upset even more improbable? Well, we always said Marv got a lot of experience, but it was all on the scout team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but and so we go to the wishbone. I think we'd kind of been dabbling around with it. 
mainly because that kind of fit the personnel we had. Yeah. And Marv, thank God for us that day, kind of had been been a wishbone guy in high school, kind of a, that option yep. type guy. And so we just made a commitment to let him have it. We're going to run about four plays. If we threw a pass, it'd be a shuffle pass. And, uh, you know, even though he did complete a pass at Oklahoma, we weren't that impressed with Marvin throwing. <laughs> <Billy. laughs> yeah. But we said, let's just do what we can. And I'll never forget this. You may sound this sounds silly, but it's so true. Our offensive goal was to make a first down every time we had the ball. And we were laughing and as a team, knowing that we we're playing one of the best teams. I think they were ranked three or four or five, somewhere in there. And so with our limited amount of players and talent that we'd lost so many guys, we thought that maybe making a first down every down would do two things. It would, it would impress our fans that we could at least move the ball a little. Secondly, it would kill the clock because we we're going to take as much time as we could. And that part we did. I mean, we didn't snap the ball. I don't think a snap over three seconds. Yeah. Um, but Marvin handled it. He handled himself well. He kept the ball when he should, handed it when he should. And it's just one of those magic days. And if you'll look back, Nebraska had beaten a tar out of Kansas and Colorado, the number yeah. one and two ranked teams. I think they'd beaten them like 106 to 14 or something yeah, in two yeah. weeks. So I don't think we had their full attention. And, uh, so it was a marvelous game by by Marvin, and uh, he did it well. And then, of all things, for him to run like seventy-five yards or sixty yards, whatever it was, there right before then, got our the go-ahead touchdown type thing. And, and uh, but it was a wonderful experience. It was a great day for all of us. You know what I remember about that game was you know when you know when Marv had that long run, and then I think Chris Ulrich went in and scored to, you know to, to put Iowa State up nineteen to ten. I mean, there was a ton of time left in that game. It wasn't like that was like late fourth quarter, but no. like you said earlier, it was like uh, you guys just managed the clock so well. It was like, it would, it would always be third and two, third and three, and you guys always picked it up. You picked it up. I mean, somehow <laughs> you just picked up the first down, kept Nebraska off the field. And that was like, I think people forget that that was one of the big reasons why you guys won the game was how well you guys kept playing late. Even though you didn't score, you just kept taking time off the clock. Next thing you know, the game's over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's what was so fun about our game plan. It's like our plan was to cut this game in half. If you can use that term, we were going to make them have to work for every. So every first down we could make was one less time we'd have to punt or give them time yeah. to have the ball because they were dynamic uh, scoring. And so we said, well, let's just cut the game in half. Take all the time you can. We're only going to run four plays. So it doesn't take long to signal them in. So get in the huddle, stay in the huddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a breath, and, and uh, it worked. And it really started to work. We were leading 12 to 10, I think, when Marv yep. ran the distance. Now we're up 19 to 10, so we know we've got a two-score advantage. So, And if I remember, Malcolm Goodwin played a tremendous oh, yeah. football game as a middle backer and, and just made some super plays for us. And, and boy, every time we got that ball, we just took three to four minutes away, and poor Tom just had to stand over there and figure out all those plays he didn't yeah. get the call. Exactly. You know, you touched on this earlier. It's kind of a history lesson I want to – you know, say to the younger generation, like they have no clue the difference in facilities at Iowa State now than it was when you started and were there. And I mean, just kind of sum up the incredible changes 
you know, because you've been at Iowa State a couple times in the, in the last four, four or five years. And I mean, it's just like amazing of what you had to compete with and what, what they have now, isn't it? <laughs> well, let me start off with this by telling you how bad the facilities were. We had a beautiful <laughs> building called the Olson building. It, it would have been nice if you wanted to put uh, maybe there wasn't enough room. Today's football staff, size of football staff, couldn't have fit in it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just no, the football. Now, the next thing you got to know is here we are in the state of Iowa. You know, it gets hot in Iowa, Michael. You're aware of that. Okay. Oh, yeah. When you go back one fourth of the way, one third of the way in the Olsen building, you had to walk down the hall and the doors were shut. The front, the front fourth of the building were the athletic director and the coaches' offices, all of them two in an office. Okay. From their back, now think about this, 1987, we're not talking about the 40s now here, we're talking about 1987, <laughs> the weight room, the dressing room, the training room, and equipment room were not air conditioned. Now, if you don't go any further and tell you how bad the facilities were, yeah. just think about living in Iowa as a football program and the four most key parts of your team. Yeah. Weight room, training room, equipment room, and dressing room. It's 150 degrees outside, and you have no air conditioning in your dressing room. So um, that was one of the problems. It was probably – I used to say there's probably 55A schools in Texas that had better facilities than we did. Oh, no, no it, doubt. No doubt. But it won't – I, I got to say this now. It brought me to believe that Jamie Pollard has got to be – and I would vote for him as the all-time greatest – athletic director in history because I know I know he came and did some stuff for Dan and it was a wonderful thing that they improved from me to him but what he's done from him from Dan to now for Matt is off the charts yeah. and I think the the Iowa State Cyclone fans should never ever forget who made this possible pat themselves on the back but at the same time don't forget Jamie Pollard and some of the guys that have just been there from Frankie Nogle and just guys who yeah. have really busted their butt to make Iowa State competitive and to keep it where they could do it. Yeah, and that's 100% accurate, Coach, because it's, you know, I, I started in the mid-90s and it's just night and day. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain to, to a fan who's only been following Iowa State for 15 years. They just don't understand. And it's it's incredible what, what, you know, Jamie's done and it's been amazing, you know, and I do want to bring up a story that happened in your career um, where you're in Iowa state. So it was early in your career and I believe it might've been your first or second year. And that's when Bisha was still going on. And there was these huge riot in 1988 and they had to call you out of bed to, <laughs> to come down and, and stop the, the kids from writing. Just tell me about that day and what happened. I can't even imagine, like you think about it now, if if this happened today, like how big of a story this would be that a head football coach would have to, co have to come down and, and stop a riot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and they also called Johnny Orr. Yeah, okay, yep, so exactly. I'll yep. I don't want to leave Johnny out, although he left me out to skunk. Um, <laughs> so we go down and the chief of police calls us and, and, I'm like, what? There's a riot, Coach. We need you to come down here and help us calm this thing down. Down at uh, Campus Town is just a blaze, blah, blah, blah. And so I can't remember why it was all up in time. I can't remember what it, what yeah. situation was, but it doesn't matter. All I know is that 
I got up. It's probably, I'm going to guess it had to be close to midnight. And so I got up and he told me Coach Orr was going to be there. So we go, we meet down on main drag of campus town, get in the police car and talk about what it is. And so I said, well, what do you want me to do, Chief? And he says, well, if you could just walk the streets and, and, and talk to guys, talk to the students. And I said, all right. And so I get out or supposed to go the other direction. I think he did. He went down toward the business part and uh, I went up toward the frats and the sororities and all that yep. way and walked my way along. I guess it two hours and yeah. it seemed to calm everything down. And then I walked back and or was sitting in the police car. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so I said, well, I'm going to walk all the way down the street. So I walked all the way to the highway and just visited with people as much as I possibly could. I, th I think it was a good call by the chief of police. It diverted the guys. It toned down their anger. A lot of them were there, didn't know what they were there for or why, but they just thought yeah. they wouldn't have a right. Let's have one. Uh, but I think it helped uh, and it calmed everything down and it was a flattering to us, but we could do that. But it was yeah. also a wonderful that our students thought enough of us not to throw us under the bus or something, you know, yeah. hit us yeah. in the head with a stick. But <laughs> it was a, then I got called out a, a second time, but uh, I got to say, man, I'm going to start getting paid by the police force here if I have to keep doing it. On Football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment, the Cyclones John Deere dealer of choice. And, you know, you just touched on it too, Coach, is that I mean, you, you had a great relationship with Coach Orr. You guys were friends. You got along. And I know... A lot of schools, that doesn't happen with the head head football coach and head men's basketball coach. But it just seemed like it was a really fun time in Iowa State Athletics. It seemed like the staff got along. You guys had fun. And and then, obviously, with that very memorable Walden-Nor promotional campaign, how much fun did you have doing that? Because I, I have people still talk about that today. That They think it's the one of the funniest things that they've ever seen that, uh, you, know, that you guys did. And I just, I just thought it was really cool because it, cause it seemed like you guys really got along really well. Oh, well, that, from day one, uh, I just thought the world of Johnny Orr, and uh, <clears throat> he was such a, a strong personality for Iowa State, and that high, shrill voice of his, and, and but he was, he just loved it. He absolutely loved Iowa State, and he could transferred that to me, and, and so, you know, we just got along, right? It just, we enjoyed it, and then when we started those Bartle and James uh, things we did. I don't think we dreamed it would get to yeah. where it got, but my goodness, I mean, we must've done at least, I think four different versions of yeah. that and a big poster every time. I'd have to tell you that if I got a dollar for one of those things outside, I, I'd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be almost as rich as Matt Campbell. And, yeah. and, uh, I'm just joking, but uh, I, it, it was an honor. But we would sit down. We'd go to Cyclone. I think in those days you did all those. I yeah. don't know if we do them anymore. We'd it's have to do different. about, oh, my God, we'd do about 25. And, yeah. you know, and we'd do 15 of them together. And so now when those things came out, the posters came out, as soon as we'd hit the door, it was supposed to be a cocktail party before we get to the program, you'd sit down and start signing those things. And that on any given night, you might sign 300 of them. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 
it was a lot of fun and it was very meaningful time uh, for the folks at Iowa State. Well, you got the short end of the stick because your part was the speaking part and Coach Orr's was the guy that was silent, right? Yeah, but he was never silent. He, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. he was never going to be silent, but we did enjoy. We even sang some songs. I think if you can, somebody around there has probably got a tape of, of us singing it. those comedy songs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they really pushed it, and it was, a, it, was a, it, was, it was a great selling point. They did a good job with it. Well, Coach, you know, you had a chance to uh, come back. Heck, it was, uh, you know, three, four weeks ago, and mm-hmm. uh, you had a chance to – to, you know, to reunite with a lot of your uh, former players. And the one thing I noticed is how much your players love you. And, you know, when we announced that you were coming back, it, it was amazing the turnout of your players because they know what you meant to them. And, and how awesome was that for you to be back, you know, that weekend? Well, let me talk back up to tell you what started. My son Murray started just because unbeknownst to a lot of folks at Iowa State, I have two kids graduated from Iowa State. My middle daughter, Emily, and Murray, my young, youngest and only son, and his wife Bridget was on the was on the gymnastics team, and so I've got three Iowa Staters in my yeah. family. Murray's got four kids: two grown daughters and two young sons. It's like a split family. So the daughters, one lives, one's out of college, works in uh, uh, San Diego. The other one's out of college and works in Austin. So we got put this whole family thing together. And then I bothered you by letting you know we were coming. And I, so you would, and you did a marvelous job. And I want to compliment you for just getting the word out that I was coming. I know it was a pain in the tail to you because you also had the Hall of Fame thing that weekend. But you, it was just a marvelous time. So they wanted their children to see Iowa State. None of them had ever been back. He's got a son that's a junior and a son that's a freshman. Both of them are football players, but it just so happened that weekend was an off weekend okay. for, the, for Lewis Clark High School. And so it just worked out beautifully. And I've, you know there are times when you go someplace, you have expectations not too high and they don't exceed them. Well, I'll tell you something. We went back there with the idea we just wanted to see some players. I didn't know how many would show up. I, I would have been happy to see two. But um, – it just was a marvelous gathering with the guys. I didn't expect to see that many. I truly didn't, but it made me so happy. Bridget and Murray and Emily got to see a lot of the guys on the team that they knew. They yep. got to see some friends other than football players that they knew. The four kids had a ball. And so I have to tell you, it was one of the best, I guess, family get-togethers through a, a, a situation and then on top of that, we kicked Oklahoma State's ass, and that was good. Yeah. So it, I just want you to know, and all the people, uh, Denny Baker and the folks that just made it happy for me, uh, it was great to see the coaches, Bobo, uh, you know, Bo uh, Bowler and and yeah. John Fabris and Jimmy Burra and all of them that came back, Mel Sanders. I, I just don't think I could have planned any better and had more fun than I did – about three weeks ago at Iowa State. It was just a marvelous get-together. I want to thank you for for a lot of it, for making it that good. Well, thanks, Coach. It was our pleasure, and it was so great to see you and all, and all your players. It was fantastic to host. And, yeah, so we thank you for coming back. And, uh, you know, and while you were back, you had a chance to, you know, talk to Coach Campbell. Yeah. And uh, just, just tell me what you – just kind of sum up what you feel he's done for Iowa State since he got here. He's brought continuity to start with. He's brought competition. 
you can't call the coach that he's that Iowa State's about to play. The first thing you ask him is say, "Well, what do you think about this?" And he say, "They're going to play as hard. You're better. You better bring your lunch, man, because they're going to be there to play." That is a tribute. That's a small thing to a lot of people, but I tell you something: when you're at Iowa State University and you are going to play them, you better know that whatever they're going to bring, they're going to bring what they got. And that is such a compliment to a coaching staff and the consistency that Matt has shown that he will play great defense. He will take advantage of the things on offense and they're going to make you play the best football you know how to play or you're not going to win. I just think that's such a marvelous addition. Second thing, he has shown the people of Iowa State, I'm here to do the best for Iowa State. I'm not looking to, I'm not interviewing for every job that comes open. I'm not interviewing for every job where my name's thrown out there. I came here to work hard, to do what I'm doing, and I'm very happy with, with the results, and I'm happy with that I'm here. That's what I get from him. I enjoyed my meeting just chatting with him because I was looking forward to it. It was everything that I hoped it would be. He's very congenial. He's very competitive. He loves what he's doing. He appreciates what's been done for him. And so I yeah. think the whole thing, you could not be more blessed than to have a guy like Matt Campbell. I think he's just – and I love his assistants too. I mean, he's kept them. Uh, he's made changes where he needed to. But in the, in the long run, he's kept that good base, good solid, so that all the players know – when they're being recruited, they know what's out there and you know what's coming. That's as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, Coach, I tell you what, I cannot thank you enough for having this conversation with us. It's so great to catch up with you. And you know that you're always welcome back here. Iowa State loves you. And uh, I just I just want to thank you again. And, you know, you've been a, possibly one of the best conversations we've had in our sidecast <laughs> so far. <laughs> Well, you keep up the good work. If you're doing everybody as good as you've done for us that weekend, I tell you what, Mike, you are a compliment to the to the university. They should be extremely proud they've got you. And it is a, a wonderful place. I tell everybody all the time. It, I would say university is just a, a great place. I love having been there. I love being a part of all of it. And everybody says, well, they fired you. I go, they didn't, they deserved to. I needed it. But it doesn't mean I don't love the place, dumb. But yeah. uh I, I love being able to come back. I love my friends there. I had some of the best hunting and fishing I've ever done in my life. there, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was an addition to Mike. And so really and truly in all seriousness, uh, it's a wonderful place. Um, and I'm glad to have been a part of my little part of it. And yeah. I'll finish this by just saying, go Cyclone. All right. Thanks coach. You bet. Today's sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.